Welcome back, everyone, again to Sex and Couples Therapy with a Happy Ending Therapist. I'm Donna Harris-Richards, LICSW and CST, that certified sex therapist. You're sex-positive sex therapist here with Vicki, my producer today. Hey, Vicki, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. We're going to do a podcast today on pride and how important pride is, the LGBTQIA plus community and supporting them and talking all about that. And what I'd like to do before I go any further is describe my mission. So the mission of sex and the, the mission of sex and couples therapy with me is to help individuals, couples, and families embrace and integrate sex-positive thinking into daily life for optimal health, including sexual health and wellness. You know, as I always like to say, we go for annual mammograms and gynecological exams and prostate exams for physical sexual health. We owe it to ourselves to do checkups on the emotional and mental health aspects, including sexual health, for what I just said, all that sort of optimal health and wellness, right? So let's see. It's a summer day out there. Not so sunny, but still nice, still warm. It doesn't feel like summer here in New England, does it to you? No, it's just been so rainy. Yeah, it feels, rainy it feels more like what I remember April to be as a kid. <laughs> yes, right. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I tell you what, the colors are stunning, aren't they? They, they are. Everything's so green. Green and oranges and purples and oh, it's really it's quite beautiful. Yeah, it's nice. And what you've been up to? Have you been uh, planting, gardening, watching, reading, traveling? I've, I've actually just been taking some time to slow down. I feel like we're in the post-vaccination period of overcommitment right now, so I've just been trying to consciously uh, slow down a little bit. <laughs> uh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, good. That's good. That's great. How about Excellent. you? How about me? I've been slowing down. Yeah, too. It's interesting you say that, and I've really been enjoying it. I notice actually that as I'm as I've slowed down or slowed down, I like to say, um, <laughs> I sleep better. Yeah, and I'm not quite so you know ridiculously busy. You know, morning, noon, and night, pre morning, morning, afternoon, night, post night, all day long. Then I just I sleep better. I guess there's less pressure. So that's relevant to sex therapy when we reduce <laughs> when we reduce anxiety and pressure, things get better. So my actually my sleep is getting better. So there's a nice metaphor there. Sleep is so I important mean. too. It really is. It really is. Yeah. So so that's been good. And you know that, that I want I want to not forget to say uh, something that you and I talked about, Vicky, regarding the topic today on Pride is that um, you know Pride Month has passed, but but we're doing this because we want to be able to continue the conversation about Pride and supporting the LGBTQIA plus population, right? Pride shouldn't. You know, I think it's one of those things where we shouldn't just be talking about pride during pride month, you know, it should be a year long conversation of, because it's not just when it doesn't just go away or it's like, Oh, you know, it's not like it's a, I don't know, something that just pops up for a month and then leaves. It's something that's a constant discussion and a, should be celebrated year round, you know, for, for people. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you live with your, your sexuality all year round or, or your, you know, your orientation or your gender. We, we all need to be aware of what that is for people. So yeah, all year long, let's let's celebrate. Um, let's celebrate how how we are in this world where 
a lot of us now are, you know, we're having these conversations and we are able to support folks who haven't felt supported. So that's a good thing in my book. And, you know, in my practice, I am really focusing on making sure people understand that my specialty is about sexuality, sexual health, health for couples, families, and that includes any challenges that people are feeling about, you know, their orientation sexually or their their uh, gender fluidity. Um, you know, it's just so important for us to be talking about it and supporting it and honoring it. Um, you know, p- people want to be seen and heard and noticed and validated and accepted. So, you know, one of the things I say, like I think you do, Vicki, is saying your pronouns, right? So, you know, I'll, I'll just say, hi, my name is Donna Harris Richards, and my pronouns are, are she and hers. Uh, what are yours? So what are yours, Vicki? My name is Vicki, and my pronouns are she, her, and hers. <laughs> Great. It's nice. Awesome. On, on Instagram now, there's the option for you to um, include your pronouns. Oh, is that right? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I stay away from Instagram now. You you guys do that for me because I'm not good with that. But that's good to know. That's good to know. I like to look at it, but I, I, I'm i not good with it. Yeah, I destroyed my Instagram account, folks. So no, we fixed it. We got it back. Don't she worry. She fixed it. She fixed it. She's good. But yeah, I've also heard, you know, the she series or the he series are my pronouns, which is oh. kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. She, her, and hers. He, him, and his. Interesting. They, there, and theirs. Um so that's kind of cool. Um, and, you know, I was thinking about this when we were preparing for this really important podcast and topic um, that I was thinking folks might wonder, you know, why I'm not necessarily having on uh, a guest who might, uh, you know, identify uh, as LGBTQIA+. Um, and I, I may still do that. I would love to, actually. But I, I feel like I'm of the mind that I don't want to ask such a person to feel obligated to teach others about their journey. I feel like it's my responsibility and job to ask questions in order to be a better ally and advocate and, and activist. Hmm. Uh, and there's a, a great book by Leila Saad uh, called, uh, it's about white supremacy. And she says, um, you know, in terms of supporting BIPOC populations too, right? Uh, this this idea, it's the same thing, I feel like, for any population that's not the mainstream, you know, or what is considered, excuse me, let me, let me say that again, what is considered to be mainstream, what is considered to be, you know, heteronormative or cis-normative, which is not the norm, mm-hmm. right? We, we think that way, but that's not really what is going on. So anyway, to use her word, she says we want to change the world and become a good ancestor. I just think that's, isn't that an inspiring I think that's nice. We want to, we want to do better. We want to be better. We want to, yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I just want to mention my education and my specialization in self, sexual health and human sexuality, family relationships. Um, and also maybe talk a little bit in YouTube, Vicky, about, you know, my personal experience in life, um, in terms of, pride and, and honoring the experience um, of others who are LGBTQIA+. Um, the, you know, I also want to say that uh, gay pride or LGBT pride is the promotion. Let's define what is pride, right? It's the promotion of self-affirmation, dignity, equality, and increased visibility of lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender people as a social group. Um also including intersex and allied, queer and questioning, right? Uh, pride as opposed to shame and social stigma is the predominant outlook that bolsters this movement, the pride movement. 
right? So I want to be real clear about that. But anyway, getting back to my education as an ASECT uh, certified therapist, ASECT, again, as you guys know, sorry, I'll just say it again for new listeners, is <laughs> the American Association of Sex Educators, Counselors, and Therapists. Um, and I'm also an LICSW, which is a licensed independent clinical social worker. So, you know, doing this work for 20 plus years now, um, I, I have come to specialize in sexual health because I always felt like that was sort of the last vestige of what I hadn't studied, what I hadn't come to understand. Mm -hmm. So sexual health includes, you know, uh, fluidity, right? Gender fluidity, uh, sexual orientation and, and that fluidity. Um, all of, uh, you know, this way of looking at the world as in a non-binary way. It's not one thing or another, right? It's a sort of a, a continuum, um, you know, feel free to jump in, Vicky, with any any thoughts uh, on that. But I, I really want to make sure that people understand that is what's normal. You know, and I, I, we're going to define uh, terminology today. So, you know, like, for example, what is cisgender? I just didn't I mention cisnormative. I mean, everybody knows what heterosexuality is, I'm sure, you know, um, which is being attracted to the opposite gender. But if we're talking about cisgender, um or cis-normative, let me just pick that uh, little uh, term out there. Where did I put that on my thing? But I, I don't know. But cisgender is essentially the the gender that you're born. So you're assigned female at birth, right? AFAB, or you're assigned male at birth. Uh, that is your cisgender, as opposed to transgender, right? If you're transitioning, I'm going to the bottom of our terminology here, Vicky, that I've mapped out. So, you know, AFAB or AMAB, right? Um, if, you're, if you're transgender, you're transitioning from your assigned gender at birth, right? So you might go from, you know, AFAB, assigned female at birth, to um, become a trans man. You know, then you transition to becoming man or male, uh, if you are assigned male at birth and you're transitioning to become female, you're a trans woman. Um, does that make sense? Yep. So that so the cisgender would be the person whose gender identity matches the gender that they were assigned at birth, right? That is correct. Right. Yes. Cool. CIS cisgender. Yeah. I mean, when I started, actually, you know, and the language is evolving and changing so so greatly that when I started my my study and specialization in sexual health, which wasn't that long ago, I was lost. When they said cisgender, I had no idea what that was. And I was, you know, old. <laughs> I was like a full grown-up, kids. So, you know, don't, don't feel badly if you don't know the terminology. Ask. And here's the other thing about the way people identify. Uh, the reason I think it's so important to say your pronouns is it invites the conversation about what someone's identity is. What is their gender identity? You know, because if you don't say it, then people don't feel welcome to talk about it. And it's nice. Yeah. I think I think it's a nice thing, even if, you know, you're like, oh, I don't need to because, you know, I, for whatever reason, you tell yourself that you don't need to tell somebody else your pronouns, whatever that reason might be. Mm -hmm. Every time you, you start that conversation, it just put, you know, shows that you're kind of like a safe place for people to talk about that with or say, mm. you know what, th these are my pronouns, you know, this is my preferred name, or um, I don't actually know if that's the correct terminology anymore um, for names. Oh, but yeah, th that's right. They're not saying preferred anymore. Yeah, this yeah. is my name or, you know what I mean? So, so apologies for right, um, wording that incorrectly. Yes. Um, no, but no, things like okay. that, it just gives, you know, the, the option f to invite that conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the reason there, I, uh, yes, that's right. I've just... 
um, begun to hear this conversation about not saying preferred pronouns because it's not necessarily a preference. It is who you are and who you identify as. And, uh, you know, it's like we used to make a mistake in thinking that, you know, being gay was a lifestyle choice. No, it is not. It is not a preference. It is um, it is who you are. It is, is, it is uh, who you love and, and, you know, maybe... Well, it is very important to understand these things are not preferences. Yes. So thanks for saying that, Vicki. That yeah, was no good. <laughs> um, so there's a really, uh, uh, oh, so let me go back to my education for a second. So, um, and my own, you know, experience with clients. I learned so much from my clients. I learned so much from my friends. Uh, I learned so much from various communities and just people and acquaintances, you know, I learn as much from them as, you know, hopefully they learn from me. I probably learn more from them than they learned from me. Um, but, um, it, it's important, you know, I, I was a, a musician and an actress for, you know, I don't know, 40 years, right. Before I became a licensed clinical social worker or 30 years anyway. Um, no more. I, I was a kid doing it. And my, my parents were in showbiz and, uh, you know, I was like a theater kid and, and all that. So I was really surrounded by a community of performers and actors and musicians and folks who were, you know, and growing up and, and living in Manhattan, you know, a lot of my young life and um, in the New York area and then coming up here, but, but really just sort of immersed and very fortunate to be around folks who are, you know, in the LGBTQIA plus community. So, um, and then, and then learning, of course, you know, being uh, specializing and getting educated, it's really important. And because the language is constantly evolving, you know, we could do another one of these in six months and there'll be new language. Um, there's language emerging every day. So, um, I just wanted to mention all of that. Um, <laughs> you know, there's a really nice quote. There's a great book called Trans Bodies, Trans Selves. And I was thinking about when I was little, there's a classic book on sexuality called Our Bodies, Ourselves. Do you know that book? I don't. I was uh, part of the American girl generation with that that book. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> so the, I realized that when I bought Trans Bodies, Trans Selves, it was like, oh, wow, this is a, a, a you know transgender version of Our Bodies, Ourselves, which was a classic book on sexuality when I was a kid. You know, when I was, what, a burgeoning adolescent, that was about 50 years ago. Um, so uh, it's beautiful to see this new book out there. And the book is by um, Laura Erickson Schroff. And it's a resource for the transgender community. Um, and it's it's not a book that you have to read cover to cover. You could pick a chapter here, a chapter there. You just open it up and find something interesting to read again. But the way that she opened it, which I thought was really wonderful, or in the beginning of, of the book, she shares these quotes from a family, a father and a daughter, Wayne and Nicole Maines. And she describes Wayne as a man who at one time was about as conservative an American as one can be and now has become one of the country's leading advocates for trans youth. And she quotes him in the book saying, you have to love your child. Everybody wants the same thing. They want to be loved. They want to be respected. They want to have a bright future like everybody else. Just let people be who they need to be. And his daughter, Nicole, said, I think I see the dark corners of the world a lot easier now, referring to some trouble she had in middle school. Um, she says, that, but at the same time, I've been exposed to this whole network of allies and supporters. And so for every dark corner, there is a wall that the sun is shining on. 
And her father, Wayne, goes on to say, he says, if I'm on a mission for anything, it's to make sure my daughter has the same rights and same opportunities as her classmates. Uh, the writer uh, Erickson, or sorry, Erickson Troth, yeah, says, his eyes welled up and tears rolled down his cheek. I get emotional, but we have to let go of what we think we are supposed to be. That's why we are here on earth. You adjust, said the dad. Isn't that just beautiful? It is beautiful. And the writer, Laura Erickson Schroth, um, goes on to say, the wide range of opinions and insights on trans experience can also be seen as a sign of health, the mark of a gender culture that is flourishing, abounding in a variety of ways of being. If I've met over 5,000 trans people, she says, I've probably heard 5,000 different explanations of what it means to be trans and what our defining experiences are. So I, I want to um, just kind of sit with that for a second because it's so moving and sort of make our way into some terminology here. So um, let's let's tease apart for a second if we can, Vicki, um, you know, gender identity and sexual orientation, right? Or sexual identity, I suppose one could say, but I think it's better to say sexual orientation. So gender identity uh, is our way of understanding our inner sense of being male, female, both or neither, which sometimes clashes with the way other people view us physically, right? That's gender identity. Sexual orientation or identity refers to the kinds of people to which we are attracted or to whom we are attracted. Typically used to describe, it's typically used to describe the sexes or genders of those people, right? Um, Non-binary, people might be hearing that term now, is a gender that is not strictly male or female. And gender fluidity uh, is someone who embodies characteristics of multiple genders, or shifts in gender identity and sexual fluidity, right? Um, so you can be transgender and you can also be attracted to someone of the same gender that you transitioned to or attracted to the same gender that you were assigned at birth. Um, you know, it's, it's complicated. So on this note, I want to talk about my niece, um, who's doing amazing work. I'm going to talk more about her at the end, um, but she's a trans woman. She was assigned male at birth and is, is a trans woman today, and she's in relationship uh, with a trans woman. And so, you know, it, it, her who she's attracted to um, is, is someone of her same gender. So she's identifying as a lesbian, um, a trans woman lesbian even though she was assigned male at birth. So uh, it's really important to just be mm, kind of supporting and honoring everyone's experience. As long as they're happy, I'm happy. <laughs> um, and so let's maybe jump into the terminology here, right? So LGBTQIA+, or QQIA+, um, the, the terminology lesbian is an identity term for some people who identify as female and are, are attracted to women. Um, the term gay is an identity term used by some people who identify as men and are attracted to men. Some women who are attracted to other women also identify as gay, although some prefer the term lesbian. Right. So you can always ask people what what term do they prefer if, you know, if you want to. Um, and some folks will say, I don't prefer any term. I don't prefer to, to categorize myself in any way. And that's great. Uh, bisexuality. You know, if someone identifies as bisexual or bi, it's a self-identity 
um, used by some who are sexually um, attracted or emotionally attracted to uh, men and women. So some people prefer the term pansexual, actually, because it opens up the possibilities for attraction to more than two genders. So if you've heard pansexual, that's what that is. Again, transgender, we just you know discussed as an umbrella term that may be used to describe people whose gender experiences do not conform to cultural norms and or whose gender identity is different from the sex assigned at birth. So transgender, again, is a self-identity. And some gender non-conforming people do not identify with this term. So it's so important, again, to, to get curious about how people identify themselves. We should not make any assumptions just based on presentation that we see in front of us. Right? Uh, the term queer. Uh, uh, this was a term that historically was used as a slur against LGBTQ communities. Um, it has more recently been reclaimed, actually, by some people, although others are uncomfortable with its use. And so it can imply kind of a transgressive stance towards sexuality and gender binary. Yeah. Uh, questioning, right? So the QQ questioning means exactly that. Someone who's questioning. Not sure. Unsure. Um, intersex is a general term for a variety of conditions in which a person is born with a reproductive or sexual anatomy that does not fit the typical definition of male or female. So not everyone, you know, who has one of these conditions identifies as intersex. Um, there's a great novel that I read that came to mind as I was thinking about this podcast called Middlesex. I don't know if you know this. I should actually put it up on the website as a really cool novel by Jeffrey Eugenides. Um, and Middlesex is the story. One of the main characters are our heroine, actually. Um, I think she, if I'm remembering the book correctly, I'm pretty sure um, she identifies as a she. Um, and she's in, she's intersex. You know, she was born with both female and male characteristics biologically. And it's the story of her family. And it's so fascinating because, you know, I'm married to a Greek and I'm in a Greek family, my in-laws. So I loved it because it, it sort of uh, gave some story about history, Greek history during World War II. I don't want to give too much of the book away, but from what I remember having read it years ago, by the way, it, it's a Pulitzer Prize winner for fiction from 2003. So it's a really well-written book. And um, he, the writer Eugenides includes some history about World War II, I believe. Oh, maybe I'm remembering wrong. One of, the, one of the world wars where the grandparents of our main character, uh, they sleep together because of the war and they end up, you know, having sex and procreating and... The intersex child was the product of, of that. Um, and then we sort of move forward with her story and her own family present day. And it's just, wow, it's so fascinating. We'll have to put it up on the website. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's called Middlesex by Jeffrey Eugenides. And it was great. Um, so, okay, moving on. Uh, asexual uh, is a term describing a person who does not experience sexual attraction. And again, this term, you know, again, folks, to just remember it's a self-identity, not to be identified by another person as a classification, right? So when, you're, so when you're saying self-identity, oh. you sorry, I just wanted to take a second. No. Um, cause yeah. Just because you've said it a couple of times. So when you're saying a self-identity, that you're saying that it's up to the person who, you know, who identifies in this, this manner of whatever manner, um, mm -hmm. to, to say that it's not for somebody else to decide. Right. Correct. Yeah. Or assume That's right. rather. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Cause you know, someone may present as female or male and their pronouns might be they, 
Or, you know, they might present as female and their uh, pronoun might be he. Or present as male, pronoun might be she or they. Right. So, yeah, we have to ask the person how they identify themselves. Uh, so allies, that next term, are folks like, you know, you and me, Vicky, and others who help uh, advocate for a particular group of people, for example, you know, transgender folks or lesbians, gays, bisexual, queer questioning, intersex. Uh, allies may help build more supportive climates and are knowledgeable about issues or concerns. I just saw a great, sorry, just to, to go on this really quickly. I just saw a great thing yeah. online the other day. Um, it was a teacher that had written out these little surveys for all of the students in her classroom, basically. And it was a survey that the, I think she was a 12th grade and no, she was a, maybe an 11th grade teacher. I'm not sure. And basically she had done so much research on her own. She wanted to make sure that everyone in her class was comfortable with how she was referring to them. So at the start of the school year, she gave them this list, you know, what is your name? Am I allowed to refer to you as this name in front of other teachers? Am I allowed to refer to you as this name in front of other parents, in front of your friends? You know, all of these different types of questions so that she then created a chart for herself that she had color coded for everything for all of her different students to make sure that everyone felt the most comfortable. And it just allowed Aww. her classroom to be one of those places where you can have those discussions where everyone feels safe and can can, you know, express how they feel and who they are. And it teaches students that, you know, I granted they're in high school, but still teaches them how to have those conversations so that they can continue to normalize those types of discussions so that it's, it's not so awkward. Cause I feel like sometimes people feel awkward asking those questions. So then they just don't instead sure. of saying, Hey, sure. I might be wording this wrong, but I want to make sure I'm referring to you by how you'd like to be referred to, you know, what's your name or what are your pronouns? And, you know, just right. prefacing it with just, you know, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a great nice. story. <laughs> it, it just reminded me of nice. you said that. Yeah, and, and that's the importance of do, of what the teacher is doing. I think what we're attempting to do here, which is to give people permission to say things and then give them the how-to. You know, how do I? You know, there are people who want to be supportive but don't know how. So you can be supportive by saying, hey, my pronouns are, you know, she, her, and hers. He, what are yours? His. What are yours? Yeah, exactly. Um you know, you don't need to ask about someone's sexual orientation. You don't need to say, I'm straight. <laughs> what are you? But in terms of gender identity, it's very important or gender fluidity, right? Um, yeah. So, all right. Um, you know, I, I feel like I want to say something right now, which I was going to say later, but in terms of gender identity or gender fluidity, um, disease states improve. So um, what I mean by that is like if folks have um, Crohn's or colitis or autoimmune kinds of challenges, what I have noticed for people who have um, begun to transition uh, through the use of hormones, et cetera, is that lots of times these disease states get better and they remit because these uh, autoimmune issues uh, often get exacerbated by stress and when people feel stressed and cannot be themselves, right, to David Schnark's point, you know, my hero, who talks about the solid, flexible self, when we are uh, really more and more differentiated, which is a good thing, when we, are, when we are more and more feeling supported, right? So this is why it's important to be doing family therapy, couple therapy, um, 
group therapy so that people really feel honored and encouraged to to stand up for solid flexible self who they are um you know what they stand for it's so, that is how people thrive so disease states tend to to you know get get less and remit because people more and more are thriving being supported in this way right that's Important nice too. Well, i mean stress is Stress is stressful anyway. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, add yeah. an autoimmune, to, yeah. you know, on top of that, and it just makes it even more difficult. Yeah, and all it takes is one person. So you know, one person in your family um, to support you, whether you're you know coming out with your transitioning process or coming out as you know in your sexual orientation. One person really helps um, rates of bring down rates of suicidality, depression, anxiety. Uh, it's it's key. So be that one person, folks, when your loved one or that youth comes to you and says, listen, I'm, I'm, you know, thinking about transitioning or I'm in love with someone of the, of the same sex, just say, wow, how wonderful for you. That is great. Do you want to say more about it? You know, you can ask an open-ended question because that's the other thing. People, I think, then don't know where to go from there. They might say, oh, wow, great. But then they don't know what to say next. So they can simply say, do you want to talk about it or do you want to say more about it? And just listen. Listening is so healing. Or ask about their partner. Be like, that's amazing. How did you meet them? <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, right. be curious, be interested. Yeah. It's the same thing in relationship. If you've been with somebody and married for 20 years, you know, these are the same ideas, the same concepts. Be curious, be interested, ask questions. But even, you know, the same thing as if and I don't know if I'm off base here, which I might be, if I am, somebody tell us, but it's the uh-huh. same thing. You know, if, if one of my friends who comes to me and says, Hey, so excited. Um, this is my girlfriend. And I'll be like, awesome. Nice to meet you. Where'd you guys mm-hmm. meet? The same as if my friend came to me and said, Oh, this is my boyfriend. It shouldn't be different just because they might be, you know, two women or two men or, or somebody might refer, you know, to their situation be like, oh, you know, we're kind of in an open-ended relationship or, you know, this is my partner. They refer to themselves as they, none of those things should matter. As long as you're supporting your people, you should be asking the same questions. That's amazing. How did you guys meet? What do you do for fun? You know, stuff, stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, and that's just, that's how I think of it. And I don't know if that's oversimplifying it, but no, I think, I think it's a, it's a great way to be thinking about it and doing it for sure. Yeah. You want to just be supportive and open and, um, yeah, honoring your, their experiences. Um, yeah, it's, it's really key to be knowing that whatever your reaction is to others is way more about you than about them. Yeah. Right. So if I'm uncomfortable or anyone's uncomfortable with that, we really need to look at why that's going on, what's going on, what's going on with my discomfort and how can I become more comfortable? You know, as long as, you know, there's no violence occurring or no one's getting hurt, you know, it's, it's, you know, you don't, you shouldn't be okay with that. Um, but if, if everything's fine and it's just an introduction or it's a story about what's happening for someone, just support them and celebrate your people, people celebrate your people. (laughs) Yes. Celebrate (laughs) good times. Come on. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's excellent. Um, so let's see, where do we want to go from here? Um, oh, nature, right? So I was going to talk about gender fluidity in nature um, and sexual orientation in nature. I just think that's interesting uh, to normalize it, that 
uh, regarding sexual orientation in nature, there are uh, has been about mm. 450 species documented uh, worldwide of animals that are, um, you know, courting or pair bonding with uh, same sex, you know, other. So uh, this is according to Bruce Bagamihi. Bagamini. I'm never sure how to say his name. Um, but anyway, he's a Canadian biologist and linguist. You can look him up. He's got a book called Biological Exuberance, Animal, Homosexuality, and Natural Diversity. So 450 species in the animal world. Um, and then regarding gender fluidity in nature, um, researchers have identified more than 500 fish, fish species that regularly change sex as adults. Uh, so, for example, clownfish begin life as males and then they change into females. Um, some species, including gobies, can change sex back and forth. Um, and the transformation can be triggered by a number of things, age, size, social status. It's really fascinating stuff. Uh, you know, I was sitting with a veterinarian friend of mine the other night and he said, you know, I wish people could be more like scallops. I was like, what do you mean, Charlie? Did I, did I talk about this on another podcast? You might have, but that's okay. Oh. Say, you can tell it again. <laughs> it's like, you know, scallops, they're like both genders and they really don't think about themselves and they just kind of, they're born, they procreate and then they die. And it's real simple. <laughs> and that's sort of the problem for humans is we have this, you know, like chimpanzees and like uh, macaque monkeys, we all have these prefrontal cortexes that have us thinking about ourselves and being self-referential. And it kind of gets us in trouble, you know, that we make big deals of things that, that aren't really important. Um, so this is why, again, as a sex therapist, I want people to really be focusing on pleasure. I mean, if you're looking to procreate, great, then do it if you can. And if you can't because of erectile issues or whatever's happening, then um, or, you know, sometimes it's about uh, orgasm issues for men and they're not able to have the orgasm to make their, you know, partner pregnant. But, you know, if it's if, if you're not dealing with a procreation issue, which you know we t can talk about in sex therapy and, and I can make recommendations around that, then we're really just all the time looking at pleasure. And, you know, we want folks to have pleasure and, and whatever brings them pleasure is is good as long as there's consent and everybody's safe. And consent, consent is key. Consent is key. Correct. Also, guess what? Regarding pride, community is key. I was yes. thinking about that, how we always say consent is key, but community is key also. Mm. So there are great resources and organizations out there um, if people are feeling isolated or alone and, and want uh, to be connecting with others who are, you know, in the LGBTQIA plus population. Um, so there's GLAAD, G-L-A-A-D, there's Bagley, B-A-G-L-Y, PFLAG, um, there's the LGBTQnetwork.org, there's Youth Pride, Inc. There's so many um, around the New York area, Boston area, all around the country. So feel free to reach out, folks, because the, the real, the truth of the matter is, and I know I'm jumping ahead, Vicki, but I, I want to say this now, this idea about Suicidal ideation, even in Massachusetts, which, you know, we're pretty progressive here. We are. I'm very proud <laughs> to live in Massachusetts. Um, the suicidal ideation rates are high. Um, so, you know, it can, it's something the last stat I heard was about 52 percent of LGBTQIA plus populations are either ideating, like thinking about suicide or attempting suicide. Um, so it's the second leading cause of death among young people ages 10 to 24, 
we do not want this. Mm. We do we do not want people thinking about it, doing it. Um, you know, LGBTQ youth uh, seriously contemplate suicide at three times the rate of heterosexual youth. Not okay. Uh, they are almost five times as likely to have attempted suicide compared to heterosexual youth. Uh, this is all according to the Trevor Project, by the way. Yes, I was just um, going to mention the Trevor Project, so I'm so glad that you did. <laughs> oh, please. Yeah, what do you, you like the Trevor Project? Yeah, they're um, they're the leading national organization that provides crisis intervention and uh, suicide prevention services. They have a 24-hour hotline, um, and they're just completely and totally focused on um, LGBTQ youth. So they're just an yeah. amazing organization that does amazing things, and check them out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Trevor is T-R-E-V-O-R, the Trevor Project. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they also go on to say that uh, of all suicide attempts made by youth, LGB youth suicide attempts were almost five times as likely to require medical treatment than those of heterosexual mm. youth. So it's, you know, really, it's not good. Uh, so, you know, you can read more of those stats. Um, 40% of transgender adults reported having made a suicide attempt. 92% of these individuals reported having attempted suicide before the age of 25. Um, here's another interesting thing to know, important thing to know, because remember before we were saying, if one person in your family supports you, this is really good. Because LGB youth who come from highly rejecting families are 8.4 times as likely to have attempted suicide as those, uh, as, as their peers who do not experience family rejection. So their peers who are supported by their families are not experiencing, uh, you know, suicidal ideation. Those who do not have the support are more than eight times uh, more likely mm. to think about suicide and try to commit suicide. Um, so um, there's also the, the subject of homicide. And uh, last year in 2020, we had the highest rate of transgender homicides, 44 transgender people were killed. Mm -hmm. um, that's the highest ever. So we really need, that's why this, this topic and this podcast and everyone talking about this kind of thing is so important to turn this around, to reduce these rates of suicide and homicide. Um, we really need to keep our LGBTQIA plus uh, folks because they're bright and brilliant and you know, they're like anybody else who just has so much to offer the world. It's so. just so sad. It just makes me sad. <laughs> yeah, I know. Me too. Me too. Um, Check. It's see. just, you know. It doesn't cost anything to be a good person. It doesn't. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't cost anything to to check in on somebody or to really just say, hey, how you doing? Everything okay? You know, just you've been quiet lately or I, you know, just, just check on your people, <laughs> you know, and especially yeah. Yeah. don't be afraid to have these types of conversations. I know it can feel uncomfortable and it can feel awkward. Even me sitting here, mm -hmm. knowing that we were doing this podcast, having done research, I'm still nervous to say the wrong thing, you know, and it's, mm -hmm. and it's a platform where this is going on a podcast where it's going to live on the internet forever and people can hear it. And I know that's stressful, but if you mm -hmm. don't have those types of conversations, then mm -hmm. you're never going to learn. You're never going to grow. You're never going to be able to get more resources to, you know, to continue to have those conversations. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's as simple as saying, Hey, I might be saying something the wrong way, 
but I'm trying to learn, you know, here's my question or how should I phrase this? Or, you know, what should I do? You know, how, you know, stuff just, sorry, I just hit my hand on the desk, but, um, <laughs> that's all right. Middle Eastern, you, oh, I'm talking just, with I my just hands. I hit the table. <laughs> Middle Eastern, I talk with my hands, but you know, it's just, yeah, I know. do it. I know. You know, and, and I know yeah. that's easier said than done for me to all of you out there listening, just the voice coming through your headphones or coming through your phone or coming through your computer saying, just do it. I know that's easy, but at least try. So that's my two cents. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I'm totally with you. And thank you for your passion about this, Vicki. It's really important. You know, you know, I like to say feelings are important, but not as important as we think they are. What's just as important or more important is what we do. But feelings are the guide or the uh, thermometer, if you will, or the thing that, you know, helps us know what direction we need to go in. And when we are angry, oftentimes or upset, it's because of a social injustice. So it's important to get in touch with that feeling and say to people, listen, it doesn't cost anything to be supportive. I mean, what it does cost, I will say, is it takes knowing what to say and how to say it um, and what to do and how to do it. So, for example, I think what's at the root of most um, most of the time when people don't invite the conversation is because they're afraid, right? Fear is at the root. They're afraid that they won't know what to say, that they won't know what to do. So, for example, to your point, Vicki, about um, ask your friend if they seem down. Hey, you know, do you want to talk? Well, they might be afraid they won't know what to say if their friend talks, yeah. right? So no, that's all totally a part of it too. But but all you have to remember is that you can guide them to a therapist, right? So you can say, look, it sounds like this is really bothering you and I love you. How about we try to find you a good therapist that can help? You know, and then they can even go, if their friend wants that, with their friend to the therapist, a good systems therapist, right? A, a therapist who understands the system of families and couples and friendships and relationships and sexuality who can help guide what needs to happen. The, you know, how you create a, a good conversation that's helpful or how what you do to be there for your friend. I mean, it's just a matter of getting educated and learning. So it doesn't cost anything, but it can cost some time an investment of time uh, in having a conversation or then figuring out, okay, now what do I do? How do I help? It's kind of like grief, you know, like mm. I don't want to liken it exactly to it, but in the sense that people don't encourage conversations about grief or loss, because oftentimes they don't know what to say. They don't know what to do. Well, here's the great news. The great news is that you don't really have to say or do much. You have to just listen. And that's so, that's why therapy can be so helpful. Even just generalist therapy is helpful in that a therapist is listening, is supporting and honoring someone's experience and normalizing it. So let's support, honor, and normalize people's experiences. And then if you're really afraid that, that you feel like, let's say your friend is, you know, God forbid, suicidal, then you can uh, get them to a therapist or call, uh, you know, a suicide hotline, call, you know, get in touch with the Trevor Project. You know, there's lots of information today that can help people know what to do. Yeah. So let's see. One one thing I do want to say um, is that there are some misconceptions about fluidity, right? Gender fluidity. So uh, fluidity is not a phase, particularly when children start talking about their sexual fluidity, right? Um, most uh, medical experts believe that children notice 
gender uh, stereotyped behaviors around about age two or three. Um, by preschool, even though children recognize behavioral norms, cross-gender preferences, and play are part of their normal exploration, exploration process. Um, and they don't necessarily affect their future gender identity. However, if a child continues to identify as gender diverse uh, over the years, then it's not a phase. So we need to honor that. I'm not saying that parents need to like run out and start talking about you know, hormone treatments for their children, but it's really important to invite the conversation and understand that if your child is continuing to talk about it or, you know, allude to it or dress or behave in certain ways, you know, it's not a face. It's, this is who they are. And it's, and they are now growing and sort of thriving and wanting to communicate with you about it. Right. Um, and then some people wonder what's the difference between uh, gender uh, between fluid and gender neutral, right? So gender fluid and gender neutral. So being gender fluid is sometimes confused with gender neutral. Gender fluid means a person embraces an adaptable nature to the concept of gender identity and gender expression. They can be one gender, multiple genders, or no gender. Gender neutral is often a term used to describe people of any gender. And as its name suggests, the sexual orientation or gender identities of gender neutral are not defined. They're fluid. So I know the language can be confusing uh, and very subtle, but there are differences and we want to make sure to you know, honor those. Um, other names for, for fluid. So there's this term gender queer. Gender queer describes someone whose gender identity doesn't fit within the binary, like like the binary being two. Uh, a gender, no gender, or bi-gender, um, both male and female, or or demigender. So demigender is partial connection to a certain gender, um, or another non-binary identity. These are all, you know, part of again the language and and how folks are evolving and talking about what it is to be uh, gender fluid, gender queer, all all of the the uh, phrases we just mentioned. Mm. And then so and then there's also the difference between being gender fluid and then sexually fluid, correct? Yep. Mm -hmm. um, yes. So, again, you know, understanding sexual fluidity, if you're mainly attracted to people of the opposite sex, you may label yourself as straight or heterosexual. If you're mainly attracted to people of the same sex, you may label yourself as gay, lesbian, or, you know, same-sex attractive, right? Mm -hmm. um, psychologists now recognize that there are many aspects and categories of sexual identity in addition to, you know, either gay or straight, um, lesbian or straight. These categories include but are not limited to the following. So we talked about the, the verbiage before, but bisexual, right? Someone who experiences attraction to both men and women pansexual, experiencing attraction to people of all gender identities, and questioning, you know, if you're unsure how to categorize your um, your sexual orientation. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, so this is different, again, from gender fluidity, right? So this we're talking about gender identity now and how it can change over time. It's not fixed. Um, and it is, um, you know, sort of a Again, fluidity is a form of gender identity or gender expression rather than a sexual orientation. It's not who you're attracted to. It's how you identify your gender. Make sense? Yes. Okay. We just want to get all that clear. 
All right. And then, you know, how to help your loved ones understand what, it, what you're experiencing. Um, it's, and it's, it sort of goes back to what we were talking about before. Uh, and it, this is not easy. One of the things I think is important is if someone can identify in their family who is a safe person, like who is most likely going to be accepting of their journey, of their experience. Um, so helping your loved ones understanding your 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 gender fluidity or your sexual orientation. Um, you know, if you're going to come out to anyone, come out to someone who's the safe person, mm. right? So my niece, uh, I think I was, I don't know if I was the first or the second person in the family she came out to. She might have come out to her grandmother first, but I was definitely right in the top tier um, because I imagine she figured I was a safe person. Yeah. Uh, and I was. So that was really smart. And she's really smart. So, um you know, encourage your family or friends to listen first and ask questions without judgment. You can say that. You can say, I'd really like you to just listen. And, um, you know, if you have questions, great. We can get to those. And if you can ask them without judgment, I'd so appreciate it. That's kind of hard to say, but that's, there's your scripted line. You can write that one down. Um, you know, and you can, you can emphasize to your family members that, you know, for example, with gender fluidity, it's not about wanting to display a masculine or feminine side, but it's an expression of your physical and emotional interaction with the world. Um, you know, when it comes to, to sexual orientation, you can talk to your family about this is, again, not a choice. It's not a lifestyle choice, right? It's It's just who you are and who you love and who you're attracted to. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's very normal. Hmm. You know, we... You know, again, we're breaking down this idea of hetero. We folks live in a heteronormative world, and I want to bust that. That is a myth. This world is not is not a heterosexual one. There are plenty of people out there who are in same sex relationships. So let's you know let's let go of this idea. It's two thousand twenty one, everybody. <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, you know, also you can provide research to support that being, you know, a gender fluid person or your sexual orientation is not a trend or link to mental illness. This is normal. N-O-R-M-A-L. Normal. Um, and be open and honest uh, about your thoughts, feelings and emotions. Again, what's safer people? You don't want to do that with people that you don't feel safe with. Um, and family and friends, please be supportive. I mean, we can't say it enough to folks out there. Be supportive. There's actually a book on my website now, I think, um, several literature recommendations about how to support, uh, family and friends and how to be thinking about it if they're coming out to you in any way at all. So, oh, so can I just talk about my niece? Would that be all right? And what she's doing? Oh, we still, we have plenty of time. So yeah. Oh, great. So I wanted to, um, Talk about my my niece, who's a trans woman. Uh, her name is Amy Paris, and she has been working with organizations who just created some really empowering changes for the LGBTQIA plus communities. Um, so she's working with these organizations and two, two big pieces of news. Um, she emailed me and then we talked on the phone and it was like big celebration time. I said, you get it. Come, we're going to have some margaritas. Um, <laughs> so she, for the first time in history, the federal government is adding direct questions about the LGBTQ plus Americans, um, to a nationwide statistical survey explicitly asking, questions about demographics, um, earnings, and other vital data. So the Household Public 
sorry, household pulse survey questionnaire about SOGI, S-O-G-I, so that's sexual orientation and gender identity. They're asking these questions about rent, mortgage arrears, utility arrears, education, preventative health care for children and Medicaid or, you know, the exchange coverage. And this is going to be starting all these questions. They're going to be starting this in July, like this month. This is going to be happening later in July. Um, And then the second big piece of news is that the State Department will no longer require medical documents proving gender for U.S. passport applications because the U.S. is going to add the X gender on the marker. Wonderful. Oh, that's so exciting. Yay. Yay. (laughs) It's really cool because I think what that, that will do for people is to is to help them understand, you know, LGBT, not help them understand, but help everybody understand that if you are, you know, LGBTQIA+, you count. And there's no reason you shouldn't count. So they're counting. The federal government is counting. And And what's extra nice... Yeah, no, go ahead, go ahead. ahead. No, what's extra nice is, this is just a subtle little point, uh, and I can't remember exactly how it works, but it comes under the Reduction of Paperwork Act, Mm. meaning that this reduces paperwork, uh, or maybe it's the passport. Oh, I think it's the passport application, or one or the other. It's coming under the the law, it's reducing paperwork. So it's going to be really hard to get rid of these new ways of... uh, you know, uh, counting data or, or, you know, having your gender on a passport. It's, if it's easier, that's what they want. So they're going to keep it, which is awesome. And especially too, if for, for people that don't identify as male or female, having that X gender where they can feel that they have something in their hands that, that matches how they feel and matches Mm. who they are. That's Mm. so amazing because I think like probably the worst feeling in the world would be to have to have this passport and it has something like, well, that's not really who I am, but I had to have this on there. So this is what it is. Like just being able yeah. to be like, this is who I am. And it's yeah. validated. And it's like, that's amazing. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah. And you know, of course, everybody, I'm, I'm sure people know this, but this is not, these are over, not, these are not overnight successes, meaning that these fights have been going on for 20 plus years or more, maybe 30, maybe 40, you know, where people are or just at least 20 years where, yeah, people have been fighting for this and it's happening. 2021. Yeah. Woo-hoo! So, so <laughs> I'm, I'm really excited actually that we're, that we decided to do this podcast. Um, actually your idea, Vicki, thank you so <laughs> much welcome. for, for doing this podcast past pride month, um, because it is a sort of a new celebration of, of these movements that are happening that are so important. So thank you, Amy, for your work. Very exciting. Um, yeah. Yay! <laughs> is there is there anything else that you wanted to cover? Uh, I mean, not that comes to mind immediately. I, I would love to invite more conversations about this. And if folks have questions, they want to write in comments, you know, to Vicky's point before, you know, did we do okay? Did we not do okay? What What do you want to let us know that we can talk about? Please, we are so curious and interested. And we're learning too, always learning, always doing our best that we can. Um, I'm not a licensed therapist in any way, shape or form. So I'm just trying to absorb as much as I can in these conversations with you and just try to try to use it to make my little corner of the world a little bit better. So. Oh, yeah. And I'm always getting training. I mean, there are just wonderful teachers out there. Uh, one of my colleagues, Joe Wynn up in Boston, there's another 
um, person, uh, Sean Giamatti. I just took a course with him. He's a, a, I believe, a trans male therapist in California. I can't remember where he is, but God, he's fantastic. And there are just so many wonderful teachers out there who can continue to educate us all about the evolving language and, and evolving, you know, just the world that we're living in here to, again, honor and support and affirm the experience of LGBTQIA plus folks out there. So thank you so much for listening, everybody. We really appreciate it. Um, thank you for joining us. Remember that if you want to find us, you can always go to the website at www.sexandcouplestherapy.com. You can call the office 508-990-9909. Still only doing telehealth, um, you know, for the foreseeable future. Uh, so give a call and then we'll talk to you about how we can set it up to see you online. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram at the Happy Ending Therapist and on Facebook at the Sex and Couples Therapist. And remember, everybody, always make sure to have enough pleasure and play and passion. And Vicki and I will see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>